Hey, it's Jeannie, and I want to tell you about a podcast that we really like. It's called The Best Advice Show, and it's your reminder that there are weird, delightful, and effective ways to make life slightly and sometimes profoundly better. In every episode of the show, which is very short, by the way, like less than 15 minutes each, a different contributor offers their take on making life more joyful, more healthful, and more livable. And each piece of advice is likely going to be something you can try today if you want to. I was actually on the show recently, and I talked about excising passion from work. This is a pet peeve of mine, the idea that you're supposed to be passionate about your job. And I had a great time. What I love about the show is that you can get in and get out, learn a tangible, actionable nugget of advice, and then get on with your day. The host, Zach Rosen, talks to well-known people like happiness guru Gretchen Rubin, but also his friends and sometimes his daughter and his listeners. The Best Advice Show is available wherever you get podcasts, including wherever you listen to Battle Tactics. This is Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace, a delightful podcast about the dismal subject of sexism and racism at work. Oh, and in case you're wondering, yes, your workplace is sexist and racist. I'm Jeannie Yandel. She's right. I'm Eula Scott Bino. And if you want to support the show, number one, thank you so much. Number two, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash BTSW. And number three, we have to thank our latest chief burn it all down officer on Patreon, Haley Neal. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. We are so grateful. Mm, truly, truly, very much so. Thank you so much, Haley. We appreciate you. It's about to get a little dramatic. Are you ready? I don't know. Okay, okay. This is me acting. Dun, dun, dun. Breaking. Schwing quits the Northwest News Network. The reason? The My Mail colleagues make tens of thousands of dollars more for the same work. And to be honest, making this public scares the SH star T out of me. That was dramatic. Nice work. Thank you. <laughs> so this was a tweet that reporter Emily Schwing sent in March 2019, total before times, after quitting her job with something called the Northwest News Network. Now, if you don't pay very close attention to public radio, the Northwest News Network is a collection of public radio stations here in Washington and Idaho that do regional news reporting. Our old production partner, KUOW, was part of the Northwest News Network. Yeah. And we talked with Emily because she did a tactic we actually talked about on the show. So she quit a job because she felt she was dealing with a gender pay gap. And then, even though she didn't really want to go public about why she quit, she went public about why she quit. <laughs> And then her tweet, well, it kind of went viral. It was insane. Like for four days, my phone was just like constantly like I, you know, I would like go to bed and then like wake up and it would be like, you have like 500 new likes. And like, I was like, what? Emily is a badass reporter and we'll include links to her work in our show notes. But truly, none of her work had ever gotten this much attention. She told us that before that tweet about quitting, her mom was really the only person who liked and retweeted her stuff. I quit my job, and that's the thing that everybody was into. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, And it is important to note that the pay stuff with the Northwest News Network is complicated. Oh, in the background, Eula's son Livy is playing piano, so I'm going to have musical accompaniment. 
all the reporters at the Northwest News Network work for different stations, and they live in different parts of the state, and there's a big difference between the cost of living in different parts of Washington state. Got all that? Even so, with all of that, by the time Emily quit, she was paid a little less than $30,000 a year less than her men co-workers. She brought this to her boss's attention more than once to get it dealt with, but no dice. And I feel like I need to point out that Livy is doing a great job scoring this part of, oh, yeah. Beautiful. Great. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. I think I thank Aaron for that. <laughs> I thank Jeannie's partner and their wisdom. So she quit, right, you guys? So Emily quit her job after she got all of this stacked up against her, giving notice, asking for changes, and nothing coming to fruition. And her bosses sent out an all-staff announcement, but it didn't say anything about why she quit. Instead, it said that Emily wanted to move to Alaska to spend more time with her husband. Mm, and Emily did not like that. I was really upset that they would use this story about like, oh, the woman needs to go be with her family. Um, <laughs> like I fought with my husband about like, hey, I don't want to move back to Alaska because I don't want to just be living at home without a job. And I don't know if like the professional growth that I'm looking for is there for me. And to create this story that that is what I was doing um, really bothered me as a reporter because it was factually inaccurate. And and it was just covering for like this. Like this this problem, this problem that has been a continuous problem at the Northwest News Network for way longer than I've been there for at least a decade. Mm. Um, And it was just like, well, how long are you guys going to kick this can down the road? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so that's what happened. And that's why I decided to go on Twitter. I will tell you that I wrote my tweet like. There were probably, like, four different iterations of it. And then I, like, really dragged my feet. And I was, like, standing in a parking lot of my dentist's office because I was, like, making sure I took care of my, like, all my, <laughs> you know, my dental care and all my medical care before I quit my job. I will use this insurance before I quit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I'm, like, standing in the parking lot at the dentist's office being like okay well like should i should i tweet should i tweet oh my god should I tweet i was really worried that this would like come back to haunt me like it would really just you know kill my reputation and i really need a job like i'm not independently wealthy i know that's shocking that you know after 17 years of work in public radio i'm not independently wealthy wow. but i'm not uh, <laughs> <laughs> and way so, to go against um, the dominant thinking about public radio workers. <laughs> so, okay. What was your worst fear about going public with this? Like, what was your worst fear about tweeting that you quit because of a pay discrepancy? The biggest thing for me and an area that I'm super sensitive to is um, that I am an ambitious woman um, and I work very hard and I was really afraid that I would be seen as a squeaky wheel and a problem causer. So, you know, women who are outspoken and stand up for themselves and show ambition in their careers really get beat up. Um, we've seen it all over the place. I've experienced it elsewhere in my career. And I was just like, oh, this just plays into that narrative that I think some people might have already developed about me. And if 
I go to apply for jobs and this is what comes up. There are people in the public radio system that aren't going to want to hire a squeaky wheel. And and I was afraid that and I'm still afraid that people think that I'm a problem causer. Hmm. So you also you said before we started talking today that you'd been screwed over before or at least you feel like you have because you have that career ambition. Um, what did you mean by that? Um, I mean, look, I don't think you can be a, a woman and successful in your career without at some point feeling like you've just been totally hosed. You know, um, like I've, I've just had like bad experiences in, in organizations where you know, I feel like I've had a big success. I mean, I've there. I had an experience where um, I won some awards one year for my reporting, and the organization I work for told me that um, I was putting my own career first before the organization, and basically, I was just being like arrogant and narcissistic for winning awards for my reporting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because you were so, doing your job well, like really well. Yeah, but I, I I mean, I feel like I was, but, like, I'm also like, well, am I? Was I being, was I being too proud? Like, you know, like, we get sent all these really crazy messages about, like, work hard, you know, put your nose to the grindstone, you know, really be driven. Um, There's nothing wrong with being ambitious and chasing down a story and really bird-dogging sources and things like that. But then when you see that success— I think that you can, especially if you're a woman, I think that you can deal with a lot of, um, I don't know what to call it, like maybe jealousy or resentment. Um, And especially if you're working in like small towns and small organizations, there's just a lot of like it can be a little abrasive. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, And like I'll admit I'm very driven. Like I really like what I do. So and I, I I work really hard at trying to do a good job. So um, I can understand if I if like from somebody else's perspective that maybe um, that drive in me can be abrasive. Um, but my standards are high uh, and I think they have to be, especially in journalism, because, you know, we're up against so much, you yeah. know. And so those are the those are the standards by which I work. So did you worry that you would be defined by going public? Like you wouldn't be like Emily Schwing anymore reporter. You'd be Emily Schwing reporter who called out in three. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it actually I was really worried that people would think that I was just doing this for attention. Um, and I like I will be very clear with you. I was not doing this for attention. Um, I didn't do this for, you know, likes and, and Twitter followers Um, like I, I, yeah, I was not trying to like grab the spotlight. The things that drove me to making this public are very simple and very much like based in how I operate as a journalist. Mm -hmm. I wanted things to be clear. I wanted the truth to be out there. And, um, I wanted like zero question about what my reasoning was, um, and why I did it. And I also wanted people to know that this was an issue that I had actually worked on behind the scenes for three years and it went nowhere. You know, when I saw your tweet, I had this my first thought was this reaction that I feel like I'm having a lot 
whenever I see somebody who has had to deal with an inequitable system then take it upon themselves to publicize that experience, right, to tell that story to the wider world. And I, I kind of got frustrated. Like, I was frustrated that the thing that had to happen for this conversation to be meaningful in any any way was that you had to, like, decide to come forward, right? I have no idea if the Northwest News Network is going to review how they pay people, but they're under more scrutiny now than they have been before. But that's only because of the tweet that you decided to send out, right? And I found myself thinking, like, why are we in this place where it's the people who have to deal with all this stuff to also then talk publicly about it? I don't know. I was I was just sort of I was annoyed for you <laughs> that yeah. even though you were doing it as a journalist, I was annoyed for you that that was the situation that you were placed in, because that's the expectation we all have. That first what happens is somebody comes forward and talks about being treated inequitably. Um, I don't know. I mean, did that. Did that cross your mind at all that, like, this shouldn't be my job to do this? It is frustrating that I had to, like, make this public. You know, I would have much rather just, like, continue doing a really awesome job as a reporter. Right. Um, that's that's what I prefer to do. Like, I'm not in the business of, like, blowing news networks up. You know, that was never my goal. Like, I didn't want to make the Northwest News Network look bad. Yeah. I don't want to make anybody look bad. You know, that's not the kind of person I am. But... I also am, like, very much committed, like, not only as a professional journalist, but also as a human being in terms of, like, the values that I'm supposed to, like, you know, relay through my work. Like, that's also how I am as a human being. So, like, I want it to be honest. I want it to be transparent. And I want it to be very clear and factual about what was happening. I mean, so do you regret your decision? Do you regret your decision to tweet about this? I do not regret this decision because Reveal scooped me up. You know, like they wrote a contract for me to continue doing some more reporting for them. I'm working with them now. Like um, I got to come back to Alaska right about when this was all going down. I also won a grant from the Society for Environmental Journalists to do some reporting on um, drinking water issues in rural Alaska which I wouldn't have been able to do if I was still in um, Washington. So, I, like, I've gotten to go to, like, this super far-flung village for a week, like, way out on the Chukchi Sea, 80 miles north of the Arctic Circle. And, like, so, I, like, from for all of those reasons, like, no, I don't regret it. And now that I'm a few months removed from this whole situation, like, I can also tell you that, like, all those cheesy things people tell you about, like, releasing yourself to the void, you know, like, like, oh like, yeah, right. Like, like, yeah, I know. I know. Like, roll your eyeballs. Like, it's it's palpable, the eyeball rolling. Like, but it's true. Like, well, I'm in the void. <laughs> I'm, totally the void. I'm out here floating around, but, barely holding ground. I have no uh, grounding in my side. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that there are some, like, really cool things that come from that super scary abyss of not knowing what's going to happen to you and being like, oh, my God, I could be unemployed permanently. And that could have just ended my entire career in public radio that I've spent my entire adulthood working on. So right. um, so the short answer is no, I don't regret it. The longer answer is I really wish that we could have come 
to an agreement on how to solve this problem um, and that I had left on much friendlier terms um, for different reasons. So what do you feel like you learned about preparing to go public when something with something like this? Like, what do you feel like you would tell me about it if I was like, tell me about going public. I'm thinking about it. What insights do you have for me? Uh, the first thing I would tell you is keep thinking about it. Okay. Like literally keep <laughs> thinking about it until you are so tired of thinking about it that like it has weighed mm. you down and you can't get out of bed because you're it's like so exhausting to continue to think about it. I mean, mm. like I'm really serious. Like like this is not something that you just like it looks like I did just like wake up one morning and like quit my job. But like that's not at all what happened. I spent three years like dragging my feet on this. And, like, really, like, plugging away until I was so just, like, worn out from feeling like um, the organization that I was giving so much of myself to just didn't care about me that I had to. You know, like, I really feel like this is not a decision that is to be made lightly. And if you feel like you're thinking about it, then keep thinking about it until your spouse and your family and like anybody and even your dog are just looking at you like you are like, like completely off your rocker crazy. And if you don't change something like you're going to have a heart attack and die, like mm. <laughs> like I'm serious, like think about it more and more and more for longer and longer. Why is it so important for you to articulate that, like, you need to really, really, really think about it? Why is that an important tactic that you want to share? I don't think this is something that you should do for publicity. Right. Um, I don't think this is something you should do if you really feel like people already think that you're um, a potential problem causer in the workplace. I'm a black um, woman. I'm already there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I'm like a, like a tiny little, like they call me turbo, right? Like, of course I, I'm going to be seen as a problem mm -hmm, causer. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just this like loudmouth little white woman who like runs around and like does all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm with you. Like, but like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like because we're women, we have to be very sensitive about how we behave publicly, you know? Yeah. Um, I when I was a kid, I had this um, I had this soccer coach. Um, she was amazing. Her name was Anne, and uh, I had these soccer tryouts. I was like in eighth grade, um, and the reason I'm telling you this is it really stuck with me. Um, so I had these soccer tryouts for this travel team, and I was like really psyched about it. And I was convinced I was going to be like the next Mia Hamm, and I was going to like travel the world playing soccer. And I was super nervous and I was under a lot of pressure and I didn't know what to wear to soccer tryouts. Mm -hmm. And she took me aside and she was like, look the part. She's like, wear your best T-shirt, wear your favorite shorts, wear your cleanest socks. She's like, 90% of this is look the part. And she's like, and then just go out there and do what you need to do on the field. And I, I feel like that is like some of the best advice I've ever gotten just like that I've carried through my professional life. Like, you know, look nice, act smart, look the part. And right. and that's the thing. Like, if you're not ready to, like, look the part of somebody who's going to, like, stand up for yourself publicly because of a pay disparity and you're not ready to quit your job. I want to go back to some of the tactics um, that you and I talked about on the phone. And 
you also talked a little bit about some of the practical stuff that you did to sort of prepare. You have, um, I feel like the tactics that you've talked about were, they're sort of like internal, emotional, mental tactics. Like, (laughs) make sure... Make sure that what you're doing aligns with who you are, one, and that you can, like, commit to what it takes to see that through. But you also thought about sort of you talked about getting your ducks in a row. So I want to ask about I want to ask about the getting your ducks in a row tactics. Yeah, the ducks. Yeah. So the ducks. <laughs> what does that look like? What sort of ducks in a row tactics would you suggest people think about? Yeah, my, <laughs> my ducks are mostly like. When you quit a job, some jobs, like you also give up your benefits. And because we were employed by uh, public universities, we had gold-plated healthcare plans. Um, and so uh, I knew I was giving that up. And the problem there is that my husband um, and my stepson were also on my healthcare plan. So, mm. um, w- like, we kind of had to make sure we did that. So I actually I went and got my teeth cleaned. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and just made sure like I had gone to the dentist yeah. um, and, and like taking care of, of like stuff like that. And then the other thing that I, I wanted to be really clear on is um, I just wanted to make sure, uh, you know, like my retirement plan had been vested. Um, that's a huge thing. Like I was in another job where I actually waited for six months before I decided to quit because I would have lost $30,000 in retirement if I had left early because it was invested. So I waited out um, getting vested. Um, so smart. Yeah. But the problem is it was brutal. Um, but oh. I will tell you, I threw a party where everyone had to wear a vest after I got vested. So, mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah, I mean, just stuff like that. Like, so, like you have to make sure, like, are you vested in your retirement plan? Um, are your teeth clean? Like, do you need a root canal um, that your healthcare yeah. plan will cover? Because that can be expensive. I didn't need a root canal. Or like, like we, ha- I have a stepson. So like, did he, was he up to date on stuff that would have been covered by... Our plan, and then I also just wanted to know what my payout would be. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that, like, like what the policies are around. Like, if you have sick leave and you have vacation time, like, what is the organization you work for going to pay you out on? It turns yeah. out that my organization was only going to pay me out on my vacation time and not my sick leave. Um, so, uh, and that's just the policy there. But I also yeah. wanted to make sure that, like, I knew how much was coming to me from the payout on my vacation time so that if I got a check that where the numbers didn't match, you know, like, where was the discrepancy? So that's the other reason I took, like, three days. So I called my editor on a Monday morning at, like, 8 a.m. And I said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to put in my official notice on Wednesday. But I need a couple days not only to call my colleagues and tell them personally um, because I wanted them I wanted them to feel respected because I do respect them. Um, And I didn't want them to just get blindsided and then be like, we have to, like, fill the hole Emily is leaving with news stories because we're going to have a void. I also wanted to be able to call human resources and talk through some of the issues in terms of like, what am I getting paid out on? Like, what does this look like? Like, and just getting all of those things in order. (laughs) 
So we talked with Emily in late 2019, before the pandemic was even a twinkle in anybody's eye. Mm -hmm. And she told us she was really worried back then that she'd be seen as too difficult or too ambitious, and it had hurt her career prospects. And that was actually one of the reasons she was so nervous about going public about why she quit. So I texted her to see if she still felt the same way, if if she was still worried about being seen as too difficult or too ambitious two and a half regular years later or what, 800 pandemic years later. I don't know how time works now. Oh, it was like millennium ago. Yes. But I'm excited because this is like a cliffhanger from like the before times mixed with the after times mixed with some before time sexism mixed with some after times <laughs> regular sexism. New age sexism? Is this new age sexism? I don't know. But I'm really excited. What, how did she say it's going? <laughs> so I will say, first of all, I was really surprised by her answer because I kind of expected her to say, no, I'm not worried about that anymore. Instead, she said that she's still really worried about that. Like she's still scared that she will be seen as too difficult. And in fact, she told me that she's had a ridiculous time trying to land a full time job. Sadly, I can I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm never that surprised by how bad the patriarchy is. Mm. But I also have to say that you think all the unfilled jobs we hear about on the news that like Emily, yeah. you know, would have plenty of prospects because if we're really having this much of a short when it comes to jobs, why is she, you know, still in need? Yeah, that's a really good point. There's like a huge shortage in the journalism yes. world. People are quitting right and left. I do have to point out, though, that she says that she's gotten to do some really cool stuff, though. Like she worked with The New York Times with a team that won a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> I know. And she made the front page of The Washington Post Sciences section twice. She's also done some reporting with this great podcast called 70 Million. So it's not all bad, she says. And most importantly, she told me that she wouldn't do anything differently. She would still go public about why she quit. She would still quit over this gender pay gap. Good. Yeah. But I got to ask, what do you think we should take away from this, right? That like for more than two years now, this kind of fearless reporter is concerned that she won't get work because bosses might think she's too difficult. Well, I would say, Jeannie, we haven't left America. <laughs> I mean, I would say that we could take away that you and I both still live in this country. And I would also say that, you know, the pandemic will not take down the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not enough. Not enough has changed in the two short years and two long years. <sighs> so I'm about to say a thing that's not going to surprise you at all. Right. I looked at research. Good. There is totally research about the thing that Emily is experiencing. Mm -hmm. Researchers have called it the conformity bind. So there is an idea that if you're gonna succeed in a workplace, you have to fit in with the work culture. However, in many cases, workplace culture is built around behaviors that skew masculine, that are right. coded as masculine, stuff that it's okay for men to do and people who present as men, mm -hmm. right? So that means like women and people who present as women are supposed to display competence and leadership. Like they're supposed to be good at their jobs, but only in a way that's acceptable for people who present as women, like behaviors that are coded feminine. Right. Um, it's a real thing. And I mean, I don't know, that kind of got me thinking about like the point that you just made about all of these job openings, all of these people who are quitting their jobs as we're sort of being like, pushed back into, you know, particularly white collar workplaces, like there are so many layers of things you deal with if you're not a white 
dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you quit? Like, why wouldn't you want to stay out of that environment? Yeah, they're almost pushing you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm being naive or what, but is it like, I almost feel a little hope that like so many people quitting might mean that workplaces have to finally, finally deal with this stuff. Do you think I'm just being naive? Am I being Pollyanna here? No, I would say not at all. I mean, I feel like we've been praying for everything to break for a long time. We're all like Maribel in the house just saying like, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for a miracle. I can't sing very well. I'm sorry, you guys. I wish that was better. But I'm hoping that like La Casita, when we rebuild it, will have a door for us. I just love that you brought it back to the movie Encanto. Oh, man. That's I want to. That's the workplace I want is like Encanto at the end of the movie. <sighs> Same. Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace is an independent podcast. Our senior producer is Kyle Norris, and our show is mixed by Bethany Denton. Our production partner is Studio 2B Seattle. This podcast was co-founded in partnership with KUOW Puget Sound Public Radio and the University of Washington. We were inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club by Jessica Bennett. Our music is by Cassia Gordon, and our brand design is by Tio. You can find Teo on Instagram at T-E-O dot underscore Dora, which is spelled D-O-R-A. And huge, massive, gigantic, big, big thanks big, big. to Phyllis Fletcher, Bree Ripley, and Dana Bialik. Thank you all so much. You can get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BTSW Podcast or by emailing BTSWpodcast at gmail.com. And if you love the show, Help us make it. Patronize us. Become a patron at patreon.com slash BTSW. And as long as you're at your computer or your phone, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And then tell a friend about our show. Word of mouth is actually the biggest way our audience grows, which is extremely cool. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys. Keep fighting the good fight. Bye, everyone. Bye. Talk to you soon. Oh. Okay, come here. Sing with me. Do you want to sing with us, Livy? You you can have stage fright. Just close your eyes and take a nice deep breath. Yep. Yep. What about this? If I close my eyes, I wouldn't have stage fright. Okay. okay. Cool. That sounds like a good plan. Okay. So I'll start it. It was my wedding day. My wedding day. And there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Bruno walks in with a mischievous grin. Are you telling the story or am I? Tell me that what? Oh, do I have to fight again? Wait, start. Stand up. Do that line again. Say, I'm sorry, me be that go on. I'm sorry, me be that go on. I do have. Bruno said it looks like rain. We'll just stand up and try. Close your eyes. Bruno says it looks like rain. In doing so, he floods my brain. Married in a hurricane. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. And why can I sing your part? That was, oh, you want to do that part? Go ahead. Do Good that job. Part. Do Peppa's parts. No. Okay. Okay. I sing your part and you do mine too.